Amen. You can be seated. I want to ask our speakers to come. And somebody asked this morning, said, are we having a trial today? We got the table set up down here. I said, no, I just brought in the Sanhedrin. That's what I did. <laughs> we, just, we just got the Sanhedrin here today. And, and uh, these are good men. These are good men. I love these men dearly. Praise God. Y'all come on down here and find a seat. We're just going to do some reminiscing today. It's different today. Now we've, we've had a lot of preaching. I'm going to tell you there's something about, there's something about just talking about the things that we've watched God do. I said it the other night, but it's so true. God, God did not see to it that the miracles of the Bible were recorded there so we could shout over what He did. This is not about us getting excited about the things that happened centuries ago. But the reason those things are in the Bible is so we will know what God will do for us. He wants us to know about the three Hebrews because when we're in the fiery furnace, he'll be there with us. He wants us to know about Daniel because when we are in the lion's den, he'll shut the lion's mouths. He wants us to know about the Red Sea because he'll part the waters for us to save us from our enemies. And so we're not just here, a bunch of old men looking back, you know, on things that used to happen and, and talking about the way things used to be. And, 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 I, and I know that, that the older I get, uh, Brother, Westberg, Brother Westberg used to say, he said, the older you get, the more time you spend looking in the rearview mirror. And, uh, and it's true, it's true, because you've got a lot more road behind you than what you realize you've got ahead of you, so it's true, it happens. But this is not just about looking in the rearview mirror today, but I want everybody that's here to understand as we talk about the miracles, the things that we've witnessed, the things that we've experienced, it's not just so that you will know what we saw back then. But it's so you'll know this is what God wants to do today. And God is doing today. Miracles are not a thing of the past. They're not a thing of the past here at the Truth Church. We're witnessing miracles. Brother Self, stand up with little Ollie there. You know, it, it wasn't, I don't know, a few months ago, we were having something downstairs in the fellowship hall. And they had a, boil, a boiling pot of coffee that was, that was sitting uh, there. And little Ollie toddling around. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, he screamed. And when he screamed, Mama screamed. And I'm telling you, she took off in a dead run. That little boy had pulled that boiling water over on himself. She took him. Walked into the kitchen, and there was a group of us in there, and we began to pray, and the Holy Ghost fell. Do you know he never got one blister? He never had one problem. God healed that child. Thank you, Brother Self. Listen to me. We're not here just talking about things in the past. 
We're not here trying to drum up something that was written in a book somewhere. We're telling you about things we saw with our own eyes and are seeing today. And, 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 and you hear me. We're not paying people to get in wheelchairs and stage something. And, and you hear me. That's going on. There are productions that are being put on out there. A lot of these miracles you think you're seeing, I'm telling you it's happening. They're paying people to fake it so they can draw the crowds. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about today, these men, the reason we have the kind of faith we have, the reason we see the things that we see happen in our ministry is because we watched it firsthand. You know, a lot of men, I've, I've been in a lot of preachers' offices through the years, walked into a lot of their offices, and I'm not, I'm not knocking any of this, but they've got their deer heads and they've got their, you know, whatever, all their trophies of all the things that, that they've accomplished, you know, and their, their, their skills and the things that they've done and their hobbies and habits. But when you walked into our pastor's office, what was hanging on the wall was a little different. He, he didn't have a big set of horns there, but he had some crutches. He had a leg brace that was hanging on his wall. And I'd heard him tell the story of, uh, behind that leg brace. And, and I had a unique experience with it, so I guess I'll just kick it off here, guys. And I, I had a unique experience with that story because the elder had told us about being in Colorado Springs and preaching for Bishop Tom Johnson. And he was preaching faith. And a visitor walked in, a center man walked in to that church. Had one leg several inches shorter than the other. And had to wear a leg brace to prop it up so that he could walk. And the elder was preaching faith. And the man came down to the front. And Elder Davis laid hands on him and prayed for him in the name of the Lord. And that man reached down and pulled that brace off and the congregation watched as his leg grew before their eyes. God healed the man instantly. And, and he gave that brace to Brother Davis as a testimony. Now, my part of the story comes in several years later. I was pastoring in Canyon City, Colorado, about 40 miles from Colorado Springs. And one Sunday morning, we had some visitors in the service. And I gave the altar call, and, and this man and his girlfriend came to the altar, and they knelt down there, and they were praying. And I got down beside him to start praying, and he sat up. And he said, I need to tell you a story. I said, okay. He said, my girlfriend doesn't believe this happened. He said, but it happened, and I got to tell somebody. He said, many years ago, I was in a church in Colorado Springs. He said, I had one leg that was several inches shorter than the other, and this preacher from Texas laid hands on me, and God caused my leg to grow. I said, I know that story because that preacher that prayed for you was my pastor, and he still got that leg brace hanging in his office today. And she said, that's a true story. I said, it's a true story. I'm here to tell you God's still in the healing business. He said, I'm the Lord. I change not. 
Well, praise God. And so we witnessed those kinds of things. We saw those kinds of things happen on a regular basis, and it built faith in us. There are many other stories that I could tell you. Um, I remember one night when we were, we were actually doing a drama that night, and it was a drama that included a story about a, a denominal preacher. And this, this drama was set at the time of Azusa Street, the revival of Azusa Street in the early 1900s. And this denominal preacher was trying to fight the Azusa Street movement, but he had a crippled daughter. And in the drama, you get to the highlight of the story where uh, they had a housemaid that had received the Holy Ghost at Azusa Street. And this maid ended up taking this crippled girl to the Azusa Street meeting to get prayed for. And the preacher found out about it and decided he was going to go down there and save his daughter from all the nonsense. And he walked into the church just in time to see uh, Pastor Seymour lay hands on this girl and her get up out of her wheelchair and start walking. Now all this was just a drama. But, but in that meeting that night, we had, now this was an Episcopal priest in the drama that was being represented. But we had an Episcopal man who was there to watch the drama that night. And his wife had one of her arms had been paralyzed for 18 years. She had no use of that arm. It hung limp at her side. But when that drama started going and that miracle that we were just reenacting took place, the Holy Ghost fell in that house. And that lady... 18 years of not being able to use her arm, all of a sudden she raised her hands, both hands went into the air, and God healed her instantly in that service. That man was one of the most sought-after piano players in the nightclubs of Dallas, Texas. Brother Bob Shelton, these men remember Brother, Brother Shelton. And Brother Shelton was one of the most sought-after piano players in all of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And, and he came in and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Now, our pastor, our pastor did things a little different, you understand. Our pastor, when somebody came in and prayed through, he didn't just immediately put them on the platform and start using them. He said, you need to get grounded in the church. You need to learn. You need to, to get some knowledge. You need to be faithful to the house of God. So here was this man that was talented, just sitting on the pew doing nothing. Well, there were some folks that it was upset. They didn't like some of the things that our pastor was preaching. They'd left. They'd changed churches to go somewhere where the man wasn't quite so strict and harsh, you know. And so they decided they would call Brother Shelton one day, and they got him on the phone and said, Brother Shelton, said, look, said, you're sitting in that church, and that man's not even using you. I said, we need a piano player over here at this church that we're in. Why don't you come over here and use those talents for Jesus? So you need to come over here and, and just leave that church and come over here and be our piano player. And thank God. Now, Brother Shelton was just a new convert, but I'll never forget what he told him. He said, I'm not coming. He said, and here's the reason why. He said, you want me for my talent. But this man wants me for my soul. I believe I'll just stay right where I'm at. <laughs> Hallelujah. Of course, he ended up proving himself and became the piano player at the church there. And what a piano player he was. 
Amen. Brother Shelton. We love Brother Shelton. Praise God. Oh, that's just a couple of things that I remember, but we're going we're gonna to hand this mic off, and we've got two mics. If you guys would hand one of those mics, hand this one down there to the other table. Let them keep that one down there, and we'll share this one among us. And, and uh, I'll just, any one of you that want, Brother Daniels, why don't, you, why don't you tell a few stories? You were there longer than any of us. And, uh, and, and let, me, let me just tell you this, too. I've told these men, I, they don't even have to just tell stories of what we saw in Dallas. Because everything that happens with these men and their ministries is really an extension of that work. And so I'm opening the floor for them to tell of miracles they've seen in their ministry, in their churches, and, and things that they've witnessed. Is it not on? All right. All right, Brother Daniel, so talk to us a little bit. Well, no doubt about it. I mean, we saw lots of miracles. We saw a lot of miracles there in Bolt Springs in our own personal family. Uh, and uh, I think the wife goes into it in, ter- in her book about the, one of the greatest miracles with our daughter when she had a terrible accident and uh, how God healed her and brought her out of it. And, of course, if you were around Brother and Sister Davis in that church very long, it was something that constantly, constantly happened, one of the greatest miracles of all. People got the Holy Ghost in almost every service. You, you never wanted to miss because you didn't know, you know, you might miss something. Something was going to happen. It, it was like when you, you know, you just had that, there was an expectation uh, there, you know, that had been built because we had seen the Lord do so many things. Brother Davis had such a unique ministry of the laying on of hands, uh, and and people could come in that needed the Holy Ghost. I seen people walk in that church that just walked in off the street. You know, you knew they hadn't had time for nobody to explain anything or tell them anything, and but they'd be in that service, and the Holy Ghost would be falling like it always did. And next thing you know, you'd see those people down there somewhere to the altar, tears rolling down their face. And we've all talked about it, and we've all seen it. He'd go down, and he had a, a kind of a unique, special little thing that he would speak in their ear, you know, about, you, you know, do you want the Holy Ghost? Do you, will you repent? Will you ask the Lord to forgive you? And will you live for God? And he said, if you will... He said, I'm going to anoint you with oil, and I'm going to lay my hand on you, and you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Well, it was just that way. It was just that way. And, uh, and you know, we, we saw lots of things. We were, that was in the early part of our coming up uh, in the ministry. And uh, Brother Davis was the greatest thing that had ever happened to us. Uh, you know, to be able to be in that church and have such a man of God to be our pastor and, uh, you know, begin to teach us and show us and lead us. And we needed it. We needed a lot of it. And back then, you know, we were trying, of course, it was was putting our minds about, uh, you know, I'd been to Bible school. I didn't actually, I never graduated. I stayed a year and a half and I knew I had to call to God, but I just, couldn't find myself and uh, we ended up getting married and then we ended up there from my home church was which was in Amarillo and uh, came there when Brother Davis began to uh, be our pastor there 
things just started to change. Well, back then they put it in you, you know, we had, there were some rules in that you had some things you had to accomplish in order to get a license, okay? And that back then, you know, it was really an important thing, you know, you, and one of the things was you had to, you had to preach 26 sermons uh, that your pastor and, and those, in, you know, knew about, and uh, and so first thing Brother Davis suggested was that I go to a nursing home and because uh, they had a big nursing home out there at the edge of town and uh, you know you need to go out there and you could take a little group with you and we did on Sunday mornings uh, we would head out to the nursing home and uh, the beautiful thing about it was as uh, you know, in my mind, you're you're thinking about uh, I'm needing to preach, you know, and do these things. It wasn't anything spectacular or anything like that because we didn't know how to preach and still don't know really. If it ain't if it ain't for the Lord, you know, we wouldn't be able to do anything. But we sure enough didn't know how then. And uh, but um, you know, and so there we could get that requirement accomplished so that I could, you know, get get licensed. And so we started services out there, and uh, I can't go into all the details, but we started having services out there, and when we first started, we had about 12 in attendance. Uh, they bring those folks in for you, and, and I had a group of people that went with me, and, and uh, I, I remember especially one individual, um, a man that had been such a blessing, and that was uh, going with us out there every once in a while, and, uh, you know, we, we would just go out there and just have church, you know. And so, and, and a lot of times when we were out there, we were in revival in the big church. But we would still go out there. Well, we started having revival out there. And, uh, you know, services. And before long, we had about 60, 80 people, you know, coming out. And they would bring them in, roll them in, wheelchairs, all kinds of, you know, situations. And. And uh, we, we had nurses that would line up at, at the back of all of that and stay in there for the services. And next thing you know, we had those folks getting the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about those old folks that some of them hardly knew where they were, but God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And then some of the nurses got the Holy Ghost. You know, it just started flowing. And while they were having a revival in a big church, we were having a revival out the nursing home. And, uh, and and just to give you, uh, there was a, a man there, and I'll never forget him as long as I live, but he was a, a very large black man. His name was Brother Moses. Uh, your dad used to go out there with us, and, and uh, Brother Milam, you know, Glenn, some of those, Brother Conkle, some of them would go out with us. Well, Brother, uh, this old elderly man, we have a service there, and, and he, he just started crying and, and started praying, and, we got over there and got to praying with him. God filled that old man with the Holy Ghost. Well, and, and we so then we started taking them. We needed to go to the church because we need to get these people baptized uh, in Jesus' name. And I won't go into it, but Brother Davis had a very unique way of, of when it came to baptism. And uh, he always made us, us young guys that was coming up feel really good, you know, because he'd ask us, I believe it's the will of God for you to baptize tonight. And that's because he had a very weak stomach sometimes, and he didn't, he, he'd give that to us <laughs> instead, of, in, instead of him. 
and, and I've seen some pretty funny things happen back there in the side room before we got up into the, before we went up into the water. And um, we took this old black man there, and, and he was a precious man. He really was. He loved God. And it took about five or six strong, stout men. We, he had a peg leg. So the first thing we had to do was take his peg leg off back there and get him in, you know, get him ready in clothes to, to, to be took up into the baptistry and, and baptized. And then we got him up there. We had to set him down in a chair because, he, you know, he couldn't stand and we couldn't hold him. And, uh, you know, but we baptized that man. He come out of that water talking in tongues and, and God was just good. And, and that happened several times. It was always revival in that church. It was always people getting the Holy Ghost and miracles and things happening uh, there in that church. And that was really where uh, me and my wife actually began to really see. And I'm just going to say this because I, I believe it. Uh, you know, you can hear things. You can hear about miracles. You can hear about people who have these great walks with God and all of that. And we had... I've been in church all my life, but that was, Brother Dave was, was the epitome of a man of God who walked in the Spirit, who had that gift. He, he, he was used of God in so many different ways. We had never seen that before, like that, you know, and it, and it put such a hunger. You talk about seeding things in our lives. We, we just, we had never seen it happen like that. And instantaneously, many times, just the minute that, and, and we, I'll have to tell this, it just came to me. We had a, when we went off to a pastor church, left there and went to pastor church, uh, uh, it began, you know, it flows out of us. I mean, it, it was put in us and we still have it and, and we still, you know, we, we're still feeling and we're still enjoying the effects of being under that kind of leadership and that kind of a man of God. And the first little church wasn't a big church at all. And, and uh, we, had, we, started, we tried to start a bus ministry. We started bringing some young children in. Well, we were having uh, a revival, I believe, if I remember this story correctly. Uh, and those bus kids were coming in. And one Sunday morning, there was a little boy there that had never... He, he was he was deaf. He had never heard. And, uh, you know, people treated him special. He was uh, a very sweet little boy. But I'll never forget on, on a Sunday morning, God filled that little fellow with the Holy Ghost. And, and he had he couldn't speak like we speak. He, you know, he, he couldn't even hardly mumble words. When God filled him with the Holy Ghost, he started saying the most beautiful, in a, in a most beautiful language, uh, magnifying, glorifying the Lord, you know. So you, you knew it was the Holy Ghost because he couldn't do that. And the, the phenomenal thing was he went to school the next day, and he was having school. We, we, we got him baptized, and, and he went back to the school he was in, and and uh, he, when he was sitting there, of course, the teachers and them knew that he couldn't hear, so they're trying to do things to get him to understand. And so he, he 
finally just looked up one of the teachers. He said, I can hear you. You don't have to talk loud. <laughs> God had completely healed the little guy. And not only did he give him the Holy Ghost, but he healed him at the same time. You know, and, 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 it, and it went across the city uh, that we were living in. And pe people were astounded because they knew this little guy. And, uh, you know, so, and then we had a woman in that church uh, came in and, and she had developed a huge cancer. Uh, name was Sister Snodgrass. She used cancer on her lips. And we're just having a normal service, you know. And uh, she, she came up. She said, Brother Daniel, she said, I want you to pray for me. She said, I want God to heal this cancer. And, you know, no big thing. I mean, we didn't, it wasn't like a big ordeal then. It was just a simple prayer, you know. I said, okay, Sister Snodgrass, we'll pray. I said, God can heal you. You know, that faith that we had, it come from experience and what we knew that God could do and had seen many times. And, uh, you know, so we just had a simple prayer. Nothing special happened. It didn't, you know, nothing happened right then. She went home, but the next day, shes I think she was using a vacuum cleaner, and she was vacuuming her house, and she said all of a sudden that cancer fell off in her hand. And, and, and it shocked her, you know. She, it, there it lay. And, 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 boy, she couldn't wait to get back to church, you know, to tell us that that cancer had fell off. She never had trouble with that cancer ever again. You know, God completely healed. Nothing special, just faith in God. Just, just faith in God, uh, you know. And uh, I, I, I tell of an experience we had. I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys or if any of you guys were there when this happened, but we were in a big revival there and had been several weeks. Uh, with a man, and uh, a lady had gotten the Holy Ghost, started coming to church, and uh, but her husband did not want her there. He did not want her there, and he had threatened Elder Davis before the service. He said, if my wife shows up there, he said, I'm going to come in there, and he said, I'm going to drag her out by the hair of her head. He said, she's not going to stay in there. Well, not, you know, more than once, Elder Davis tapped me on the shoulder. <laughs> and uh, we knew that this guy was a mountain of a man. One man in the church there knew him. And uh, a, a dangerous man, a very mean man. And uh, he, so Brother Davis said, you just go around and get a bunch, you know, get a bunch of the brethren to go with you. And he said, I want y'all to go back there. While we're having service, he said, I want you to stand at the door back there. And he says, that guy shows up. He said, you don't let him get past that door. Well, you know what I've done? I look for the biggest guys in the church that I could find. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted the stout ones. I wanted the big ones. I thought, boy, we're going to have a, I don't know what's going to happen here. And uh, so we went out there, and we stood. Sure enough, here, this pickup truck drove up. And this mountain of a man stepped out of there. And uh, he had a buddy with him, 
And that buddy was sitting in there, and if you looked across there, he left the door open. That guy was sitting there with a gun in his hand. And so this guy comes walking up, and he said, uh, I'm going in that church. He said, I'm going in there after my wife. Well, nobody else was talking. You know, I, I was kind of the, I, I, I stepped out there in the front hoping that those guys were ready. I said, you're not going in there. He said, who said I'm not going in there? And I looked around and I said, we said you're not going in there. <laughs> Boy, it's time to have some faith right now. <laughs> you know, and those guys hadn't spoke up much either. You know, I just kind of pulled them into it. I said, you know, and so he said, really? He said, you think, you're gonna? I said, you're not going in there. I said, we will stop you right here at the door. I said, our pastor said, you're not coming in here. And you're going to stop right here. So there was a man there. Uh, some of these guys probably knew him. His name was Dave Burke. Uh, wiry little guy. But he knew this guy. And uh, so he told him, he said, sir, he called him by name. He said, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. And he said, you better be in your vehicle and off of these premises or I'm going to call the law. And right inside a church back then, the old building, they had a phone on the wall right there. And uh, so Dave started counting. One! <laughs> I'm standing there and I'm thinking, mm, I sure hope he's gone in for 10 seconds. <laughs> Two, you know. And so about five, he just kind of looked at us and shook his head and went over and he got in the truck and peeled out. Well, Brother Burke had already called the law enforcement and about two minutes after that guy had got there, had left there, they showed up and about a guy about as big as he was, a big old deputy, stepped out of that car and they knew the guy. And he told us, he said, you won't ever have to worry about that guy again. He said, we'll put him under the jail. And I heard later that he got worked over pretty pretty bad, they found him. But, uh, yeah, good old day, I'm telling you. Uh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to have to confront that guy. <laughs> oh, but anyway, the Lord was so good to us. We saw so many miraculous things. People get the Holy Ghost by the hundreds. Uh, Brother Davis was known as a man. If you didn't have the Holy Ghost, you'd, you'd like for Brother Davis to come to your church because if, if they really wanted it, they would have it before he left. We had a girl in the city of Glen Rose when we took that church. Uh, she had been praying for the Holy Ghost until she wore the saints of the most high God out. I mean, you know, she was sincere, sweet girl. And, uh, but she just, you know, for whatever the reasons were, she couldn't. And Brother Davis was preaching for us that night. And we had an altar service. She, of course, there she was. She was right on about the second pew, I think, or first pew. There at the front of the church, just praying. There were some folks around there. Brother Davis had been praying for some people. I walked over and I said, "I said, Elder Davis, if if you feel it, 
in the Holy Ghost, I said, you see that girl right there? I said, we've been praying for her and trying to get her prayed through the Holy Ghost for a long time. He said, oh, really? Well, she's going to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I didn't doubt him because I've seen it too many times, you know. And, and I mean, he walked down there, and I mean less than a minute. He said something to her, and he laid his hands on her. And I mean, that quick, she started speaking in tongues. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And to this day, she's still in the church today. Hallelujah. We saw a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't even begin to, to remember, you know, all of the things that, uh, that we saw and experienced and uh, was a part of. But me and my wife certainly uh, esteem Brother Davis as our pastor and man of God in our lives that was so vital and so important to our lives. I don't think we'd be where we are right now if it had not been for Brother Davis and that church. And I thank God for it. I've probably talked too long. I was going to ask you if you would, because you were there when it happened, would you give us the Reader's Digest condensed version of the story of Brother Stovall? Yes, I was standing right by him. Uh, they were doing some remodeling in the old building that was the Sunday school department. Brother Stovall had, now you, you'd, you'd have to understand, this man was a big man. He, he was very tall and he was very, you know, he was just a big, big man. Yeah, he's probably close seven foot tall, I guess. He was, he was tall. Fifteen and, he was and a half triple A shoes. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I'm talking big man. But he was up in the rafters. And I don't remember why he was up there. But he was doing something up there in those rafters. And he fell out of those rafters right beside me and hit the back of his head he, he, when, he, when he hit, and it was concrete. And when he did, we looked down there, and his eyes rolled back in his head, and we thought, I mean, we were afraid. We, we, Brother Davis was down just a little ways from where we were at. And we called Brother Davis. Brother Davis run in there and laid his hands on him. And we all began to pray. And, and suddenly, Brother Stovall's eyes rolled back. And he sat there and they set him up. And God miraculously, I mean, he could have he died right there. The way he hit that, his head. It could have been over right there. Yeah. God Elder raised Davis, him up. Elder Davis believed, believed till he died that Brother Stovall actually did die. Yeah, I mean, he's he dead. His eyes had rolled back in his he head. He said by the time he got to him, he wasn't breathing. He was convinced he was God dead. raised him. God raised him from the dead. Now, part two of that story was that next service. I, I, think, I don't know if that was, a, if that was a, a weekday. For some reason, I wasn't there. I must have been in school. But I remember the next service after that happened. Now, the amazing thing, God had raised Brother Stovall up, but he was still, he could barely move. Uh, he was yeah. so sore, he, he, he could still hardly move anything. And you could just see the pain, every movement, every joint. You could tell he was hurting so bad. And I remember watching him barely make his way down the aisle and ease himself down into the pew. And service got started, and Elder Davis was, was leading the service that night, and he was singing. The Holy Ghost started moving. And the elder pointed at Brother Stovall and said, God wants you to run. 
And, of course, I turn around and see who he's talking to. And I, I saw Brother Stovall. Brother Stovall had these eyes. You know, his eyes were like silver dollars. And he said, me? And the elder said, yes, you. God wants you to run. And he took that 15 and a half AAA shoe and he put one of them out in the aisle. And, and he eased himself up. I mean, he was barely moving. And he got himself stood up. And then he got the other foot out there. And then he made another step and another, and I mean within a matter of probably 60 seconds, he took off in a dead run. And I don't know how many laps he made around that church, and God finished the work that night. Oh, yeah. Completely healed him. Hallelujah. Praise amen, amen, amen. All right, that's brother, brother Stewart. Talk to us a little bit. Well, praise the Lord. Tell you, this is a beautiful thing we're doing, and it's not uh, happenstance, and it's not just uh, something to fill time. I believe this is to build faith. I believe it's to encourage the church and to the day that we live to let you know that you can grow from this and understand God still works the same today as He did a few years ago. Now, this may seem strange, but as we were singing this morning, I looked up on the wall behind us, and I saw the words to a song, and it just came to me that, you know, is common for us today with technology that we have, but I thought in the Bible, when the Bible says in the book of Daniel, it talks about the handwriting on the wall. Now that, you know, to us, because we see what we see today, it's no big deal. But you got to understand, when God begins to work, He works in unexpected ways, and He works miracles, amen, that He might get the glory. Now, we can see transfer of technology, but we can't see just words appear on the wall, amen, and we're serving a big God. And so, um, I want to not take up a lot of time, and I, I want to start with this. I, I regret that I didn't have more time with Brother Davis and uh, I think we were there about a year and a half in the church, but uh, prior to that, we had a, a home mission work in Waxahachie, Texas, and uh, Brother Davis come, and he preached for us, and uh, Brother, Brother Moore, I think, was there uh, one time, or he brought some young people with him, and, and uh, uh, he was anointed, and God did some powerful things, and then we were blessed to be in the church, and we did see uh, miracles happen. Um, to us, it was common because it happened so often there. I'm talking about people receiving the Holy Ghost, and Brother uh, Davis could get up and and um, he would uh, the Holy Ghost would move on him, and he would reveal things. He would say things like he told this man to. I wasn't there when that happened, but that's just the way he was. And he was a man of integrity. He was a man of honor. And uh, he put a lot in my ministry in my life. And I told him we gave up the church in Waxahachie, and we drove to his church. It was either 27 or 37 miles one way. And we was willing to drive to be in a good church. And, um, and so I said when I went there, I said, Brother Davis, I said, uh, I, I'm going to pick your brain and your mind, and I'm going to see how you work because what you're doing is working. And I want to glean some things uh, from you. And so, and, and as a side note, uh, whoever you are today, when you watch the man of God that God has put in your life, 
and you watch how God operates and how God uses him and how they mentioned the Holy Ghost falling in that church so much. There's a price that comes with that. It don't just happen. It don't, it's not just because God says, I'm going to use this person or that person. But when you pay the price and when the church pays the price, amen, miracles will happen. Revival will happen. The hand of God, the work of God will begin to do miracles in a service. And, uh, but there's a price that comes with that. You can't party all the time. You can't just want to have fun all the time. It's like uh, someone mentioned, I believe it was Brother Riggin mentioned about all-night prayer meetings. Amen. That's not a fun thing. <laughs> you know, to us sometimes, oh, man, isn't that neat? They prayed all night. Well, when you're trying to do the prayer, <laughs> amen, and come up with something to pray about, it's not such an easy thing, but it's a beautiful thing. And uh, but so I want to go if I and I ask Brother Riggin for permission to talk about some of the things in, that happened in my life that might build your faith. Uh, brother, I didn't write anything down, but uh, Brother Daniels mentioned about a big man in when we were in Waxahachie, um, just before we went to Bald Springs. I remember uh, we were home mission church and. The whole thing was just a miracle. God gave us a building, was a, been closed. It was a Latter-day Saint building, and um, me and my wife went over there, and we drove around the town looking for, we felt a burden to have a church, build a church, start a church. And uh, I'll say this, if you're ever going to start a church or build a church, you better, or if you ever go pastor, you better know for sure that it's the will of God. Not just because it sounds exciting and sound, man, look, look what I'm going to do. Look what people's going to say. Because when the metal hits the floor or when the rubber hits the road, you're going to need something to know that it's the will of God. And so I just want to drop that. But there was, a, we were, we bought a piece of property and we was doing some, some work on this property. And we had bought this building. God worked that out and, and, uh, the church was vacant, been vacant for a long time, and I'm going to get past that. And so we didn't have the money, didn't have the funds. We prayed about it. We knew it was the will of God. And so uh, they wanted uh, $55,000. I don't remember what it was for this, this building, and that was a deal. And, uh, but we didn't have $50,000. And so we began to pray and fast, and, and I talked to some pastors and they said yeah we'll we'll support you we'll give you this and we'll give you that and I said well you know we're going to be doing pretty good getting the down payment not to pay for the building but it come time to for us to get that building and to move to Waxahachie and we didn't have a dime nobody gave anything and so I said Lord uh, what are we going to do and uh, he said well he said uh, offer him less so uh I went and I said, look, uh, we don't have that. Would you take less? He said, well, how much? I said, $3,300. He said, yeah, we'll take $3,300 for the down payment. And so come time, and I still didn't, uh, the time to, I, I told him to give us, asked him to give us two weeks, and he did. And I still didn't have the $3,300. <laughs> and so I said, now what, Lord? And he said, uh, he said, you're going to get, that's your bill, and you're going to get it. So he said, go talk to him. So I called him up. Salt Lake City, Latter-day Saints, and, and um, I said, look, I said, I don't have the money, but I said, I believe it's the will of God for us to have this building. I said, um, I tell you what we'll do. I said, we'll, 
uh, if you'll let us work out the down payment, we'll paint it, we'll fix it up. There's some boards needed replaced, and we'll do all that. Will you take that for the deposit? He said, yeah, we'll take it. So God gave us that building. But So after a little bit, we bought a piece of property. That was when the super collider uh, was coming into Waxahachie. And, um, you know, the town was booming and everything. And so we bought five acres of land. And, and um, I'm, I'm going to cut through the chase some of this. We, we rented some equipment and from a rental company. And um, we had problems with the equipment getting overheating. It was The radiator was getting dirt in it. And it was heating the dozer up. And so we, we didn't get much use out of it. So after the weekend was up, I went. I had them come pick the dozer up, and um, I went to talk to the owner of the uh, company about could he give us a discount because we didn't have all the time that we wanted. And this guy was about six foot eight. I'm not going to make him as big as that other guy. But he literally was six foot eight and weighed about 400 pounds. And he wore overalls and an old straw hat. And um, I'm walking, I walked in his office there. And I said, sir, I said, now you see how I'm, I was smaller then than I am now. <laughs> I said, sir, I said, can you give us a discount on that? And this dude jumped up and slammed fists as big as my head almost on the desk. And papers flew everywhere, scared me to death. And here I am sitting across the desk from him, and, and, and he's a hollering and ranting and raving. And all of his employees took off running out of the building. <laughs> I looked, I looked through the glass windows, and I said, man, what have I got myself into here? And so a boldness come over me, the Holy Ghost, because I'm not this way. And I looked at him, and I said, sir, you shut up. And he, he said, he looked at me, and he looked around, and he said, do what? I said, I told you to shut up. You don't talk to me that way. I'm a man of God. And I was sure operating off of faith in because I was scared to death. I was ready to run myself. But you know what? And he said, you ain't nothing. He told me, he said, you ain't nothing. He said, you're not a church. You're not uh, a preacher. You're not. He just told me everything I wasn't that I was trying to be living for God. And he said, that church is going to shut down. He said, you won't have a church. I said, let me tell you something, sir. I said, within six months, you'll be out of business. And I don't know why I said that. Because I'm not that type. The Lord doesn't really use me like that very much. But there was a Holy Ghost boldness come over me. And to make a long story short, within 90 days, that place was out of business. The lot was clear. And, the lot, and the, there was no equipment there at all. So God will work. And God will meet your needs. And there was, um, within the last 20 years, I know there's, a, there's a, you know, we can go a long ways back, and I've seen a lot of miracles. I've seen people that were dead in church service come alive. We had one man in our church in Waxahachie. <clears throat> he was praying, and I don't know if it was a heart attack or what. I don't remember the exact details. There was a, a nurse there, and um, he was praying in the altar, and uh, he died right there and scared me. Here I was young home missionary preacher trying to do something for the Lord and like I said I'm not uh, I'm nobody I'm just nobody what you see is what you get and so I just had the church pray and we started praying and after about 10 minutes uh, that man or maybe five minutes that man was laying there and his eyes had rolled back up in his head 
and uh, he didn't have a pulse. And uh, but the Lord healed him and uh, brought him back to life. And uh, I saw that in our service. But in when we were in Coffin, we went there in 2000. And is this okay, brother? And when we were uh, we went there in 2000. Another home mission church. I've been in home missions all my life. I've never had a church. <laughs> Fifty people is the most we ever got up to in any of our churches, but but uh, we had some powerful church in our life. God really moved, and especially in uh, Kaufman, we had a lot of miracles. And there was, the, we was renting a storefront, and there was a man that came for his first time. This guy had hair about halfway down his back, and uh, I don't remember how much of a facial hair he had, but uh, he came to church, and uh, he came up front. I, I never had talked to him before, and and uh, he came up front and wanted prayer. He said, um, I, you know, I, I barely can walk, and he had something wrong with his knees, and he had uh, a surgery and something or two, and he couldn't walk. What had happened, he fell down some stairs, and uh, when he ended, landed at the bottom of the stairs, his head was pushed up to his chest, and his feet was drawn up, and uh, the police had raided his house, and that's what happened. So it was a bad situation for him. But anyway, I was praying for him, just simple prayer, just laid hands on him. And all of a, I had my eyes closed at that time, and all of a sudden he went to screaming and hollering and jumping and scared me, and I looked at him, and he was jumping and, and uh, acting strange, and I said, what's wrong? He said, I'm healed, I'm healed. I said, what do you mean? He said, he said well, I couldn't hardly even walk in here. And he started jumping and, and showing how high he could jump and squatting and bending and doing all kinds of things. He said, God's healed me. Right there in that service, just a simple prayer of faith. And so we uh, went, that was Sunday morning, so we went home and come back to church Sunday night. And uh, we had another visitor there. I thought it was. And that guy... And I didn't say a word to this man. This shows you how the Holy Ghost worked. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost in that when I prayed for him. And that night, this guy comes up. Man, his hair is as short as mine. He has no beard and mustache and all that. And I didn't know who he was. <laughs> he had found somebody to cut his hair and uh, to make some changes in his life without me ever saying a word. And God... That was one of the miracles that I've seen God do that was so powerful in our life. And there was many times that, and I know that uh, if we're not careful, we could discount the miracles that God gives us. But uh, there's many financial miracles that the Lord has done for us in, in that city or in Kaufman. And, um, well, this is where this other story was. Um, but we had we need five thousand dollars. We were buying a piece of property, and uh, we need five thousand dollars. Didn't have the money, <clears throat> and uh, I worked uh, at Texas Instruments for a contractor and just made wages, you know. And uh, so we began to pray. Me and the wife said, "What are we going to do?" I said, "All we can do is pray." Didn't know what else to do, and I wasn't going to call people and borrow the money, and so. Uh, there was uh, a man uh, driving through his, his brother, Brother Seals, not uh, Malcolm Seals, but his brother that was in Michael. And um, he was passing through on 175, 
and um, I didn't know him real well. I knew his brother better. And uh, while he was passing by, not too far from the church, the Lord laid it on his heart to send us an offering. And then a few days later, there was a man. Uh, he, he sent that offering in, in the mail. And a few days later, a man that wasn't in the church just called me up and said, Hey, I've got some tithes. And he had $3,900 in tithes. He said, if I'd like to give them to the church. And so all the time, God was just getting us close to that $5,000. And uh, so the, the deadline came. We got the money. God worked the miracle. And we were blessed. Amen. There was times, there's another, there was many times we needed finances. Didn't know what we were going to do, but God made the provision. And uh, he supplied the need. I remember one time in particular, this, I'm going back to our home church that, um, I had gotten laid off working in the chemical plants there in Houston and um, uh, got laid off and Brother Jackson took up a special offering and uh, I really, uh, literally, that was my last $200 and he took up this special offering and the Lord dealt with me about giving that, putting that money in the offering and uh, I, t I didn't even tell my wife, I told her after church, I said, I gave that $200 and she said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, but God will take care. And on the way home, I told her that on the way home, but before we got home, I received a phone call uh, from people that wanted their house painted, and I didn't even have to give them the bid. And I said, uh, $2,000. And they said, okay, when can you start? I said, I can start tomorrow. Amen. God gave me tenfold back what I gave the last $200 I had. You can't outgive God. God will bless you if you will trust Him and, and put it in God's hand. Amen. And I, I want to say this, and I'm going to stop. I, there's some more things I can say, but I want to give these men uh, time. Um, but in allowing God to work in your life, if you will pray and fast and follow the man of God, as I said yesterday, the man that God's put over you in your life, and trust Him. The devil and family will come against you and tell you to get away from there. But God brought you here for a purpose. God's got a plan for you. One more thing. There was a, and, and, and this is it. There was a lady in uh, Waxahachie that she came, was a little small lady, had two children. Her husband, matter of fact, I think he played on the farm team for Kansas City baseball. And uh, not, not at that time, but he had been on the farm team. And, uh, but he, he didn't want her going to church. He despised her going to church. But she came and received the Holy Ghost. And she wrote her dad and her family a letter. And her dad disowned her. He said, they, you're, you're getting involved in a cult. He said, get away from them people. Uh, and, and she thought he would be so excited about her receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name. But he wrote her an 9 or 11-page letter. I don't remember. But he told her he, in that letter he just disowned her. And God began to work in that family and her husband. Uh, he didn't ever receive the Holy Ghost. But he came to church and uh, he, turned, he, he turned things around. And, uh, and sometimes when you pray about something, it don't happen right away. But that's where trust and faith comes in. And if God does it for us, he can do it for you. If you'll be patient and wait for God to work, don't put a time limit. Sometimes 
There's exceptions. But for the most part, it may take a few years for God to bring something to fruition. But if you'll be faithful and live for God, amen, you're, you're storing up prayers. You're storing up miracles and blessings. You're, you're in the making of a miracle. Amen. If it don't happen overnight, don't get discouraged. Just come on to church. Live for God. Be faithful. It'll happen in due season. Hand that down to Brother Moore. Brother Moore, Brother Moore, I said last night, he's the youngest among us, but he's got the most recent memories, and I want him to talk to us here. Praise the Lord, everybody. I spent 18 years at Greater Apostolic Tabernacle, and I thought about this. Somebody asked Elder Davis, because the name of the church was Apostolic Tabernacle, correct? And they said, when did the church get greater? He said, when I showed up on the scene. <laughs> and he didn't mean it out of arrogance, but he meant it out of confidence. And uh, that was the truth. I, uh, these other men, I think, all got the Holy Ghost under other people, but uh, I received the Holy Ghost under him. He won me to God. Directly won me to God. I was in a bar, bar hopping, nightclubs, and uh, I met a girl one night and began to have a relationship. And um, she was a Catholic girl, never been in a Pentecostal church in her life. And uh, after about two or three months, I said, Well, I guess we better go home and meet Mom. And uh, took her home to meet my mother. And the first thing out of my mother's mouth was, when are y'all getting married? And I was like, oh, oh, hold, the, hold the horses right now. We ain't talking about marriage. Well, the next day she went to her pastor, Brother Davis. And he looked at her and he said, Jeanette, I've never done this. He said, but you tell him to come three times in a row and I'll marry him free. I'll let him use the entire church. He said, there's certain things I will not do in the wedding ceremony. If they want to do it, they can do it. But he said, um, you just tell them to come three times in a row, and I'll marry them free. Anything free, I, I want, you know. And uh, the first night we was there, now I had been when I was a child, as he said, coming in on the Sunday school bus, my he, he actually called my mother an old beaver because she's always up and down the bank. Coming in the church and out of the church, she'd backslide. She'd come in, live for God a little bit. and um, But the first night we was there under that, in that time, at that time, the choir was practicing, and just you could feel what we didn't know at the time was the Spirit of God. And they come off the platform they all walked past us and went out the door because we were in a converted gym whenever I got the Holy Ghost after we were using the gym. And, um, and uh, it was like, where are they going? My mother said, well, they're going to pray. He said, they pray before church. And boy, what an impact it put in my mind. And I can't tell you what he preached that night, but I know that choir got up and sung and the Holy Ghost fell. And I looked over at my little Catholic girlfriend who'd never been in a Pentecostal church in her life Never watched the Pentecostal services because Pentecostal services wasn't on TV and still ain't supposed to be on TV, but anyway. And she's sobbing and weeping, and, and, and my mother said, what's wrong with her? I said, I don't know what's wrong with you. She said, I don't know what this is, but I want it. 
And that night she went down to the front and she kneeled down. And he didn't go down there. Now, I've been to the big charismatic churches. I've been to the biggest one in, 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 in the metro. It was called uh, Church on the Rock. Larry Lee's. I'm sorry. You know, it's not going out that far. He may be dead by now anyway. I don't know. But anyway, they told me they're going to teach me how to speak in tongues, see me tie my tie, buckle my belt, spell medicine fast, M-E-D-I-C-N-E. But I can remember going to Brother Davis's church as a child, and something got in my stomach, and I felt like I was going to puke. And I got out of there as fast as I could. Fast forward a couple years. I'm, I'm at Greater Apostolic Tabernacle. She's down the front. She's, he's just, you can hear him from the, all the way from the back. Just repent of your sins, honey. Just ask God to forgive you. And she's just down there pouring all, all out, out her heart. Like a elder used to say, God, I stole a chicken. You know, y'all remember that? <laughs> he said, repent of all of her sins, and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He walked down and laid hands on her and got the Holy Ghost. And everybody started coming back to me and said, you're next. I said, oh, no, I'm not. I got a career. I'm a professional barroom dancer. I mean, I get paid to go to the nightclubs. I get paid to give dance lessons. I get paid to, to do all this other stuff. I ain't going to church. But I'll tell you what, God began to work on me. And that next service, God moved in such a mighty way. You know, this man was a man of faith. And when he said something, he, he put it in a way that you could believe it. And I'll tell you, God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and I, I began to see things in a different light. I, I didn't want to live for God. But I'll tell you what, the more and more I went to church, the more and more I began to see it. And I'll tell you what, my family said, you're in a cult, you got to watch out. I said, well, this is a cult. It sure is changing my life. It's making me for the better. And I never will forget, he come down off the platform, and, and he began to just walk in the Holy Ghost. And there's something that, that we haven't used the title that, that, that we give people sometimes who pray and pray and pray for the Holy Ghost. They're called chronic seekers. And I remember many, many times people would bring them from near and far to Greater Apostolic Tabernacle, and, and, and God would fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, people who have been seeking the Holy Ghost 40, 50, 60 years. And, and just to see Brother Davis move in the Holy Ghost and, 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 and just give you a spirit of faith and feel like that, that anything is possible. You know, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. I, I, I don't, now, the, the, the leg being stretched out and, and the arm being healed, I want to see those things in greater measure than I have ever seen them. And we saw a lot of healings. I remember Doug Walker coming down to the front, broke leg, and God healing him and him shouting all over the front of that entire place. I remember people with a, with a, a, a hand uh, drawn up and, and elder praying for them and them receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and their hand being healed. He did have a certain way. If you felt the call to preach, I never forget when I went to him and told him I felt the call to preach. He spun on me and he said, you, I said, I feel a call. He said, you feel a call to preach or you feel a call? I said, I feel a call to win souls. He said, you better be glad you said that. And he said, Chris, you've won quite a few people to the Lord. Just keep walking with God. I kept walking with God, and he began to raise me up over a certain amount of time. And I will tell you that, that the spirit that he had was a spirit of ministry. And, and 
I, I'm going to go into this more on Sunday, but in uh, Numbers 11 and 16, it said, The Lord said to Moses, Gather unto me 70 men, 70 of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them into the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and thou bear, that thou bear it not thyself alone. This is a direct reference of God taking the Spirit of Moses and putting it on. Amen. The man, we received his Spirit of ministry. He hated tea. I love tea. He would not drink tea. There's a lot of things he didn't like, a lot of things that, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I've always told my boys. If you go somewhere, if you're sitting under someone else, if they have a conviction that you don't have, you listen to them and you obey it. If you have a spirit and you have a conviction that they don't have, then you keep that to yourself and you don't push that on nobody else. But the man of God is someone you should always take his conviction. And I'll tell you, I didn't know no other pastor. I didn't know anybody else. But I'll tell you what, that spirit of ministry he had, he transferred it to us. And it gave us a spirit of faith that we could go into areas where people need the Holy Ghost and we could pray them through and pray with confidence and have faith for miracles. I remember one certain time that I, uh, I had... Uh, uh, been needing a bed, and I, I got up, and I had uh, my prayer time in the morning before I went out and made my sales calls for my machine tool business, and uh, I said, God, I need a bed. My back is killing me. God, I need you to work a miracle out. I need a bed, and so I went to Fort Worth. I lived on the east side of Dallas, in the east side of Dallas, and went to Fort Worth, and I'm just going to tell you some things about faith, okay? If you don't mind, just give me a minute, <laughs> and uh, I went over and made my sales calls, came back, and I always Went by the church every day. Once a day, I checked on the church. And um, I uh, began to check on the church and was looking around. And actually, a lady named Sister Gooch pulled in the parking lot. And she said, I just saw an old friend of yours when you was in the world. And I was always, oh, God, I hope not. What did they tell her? You know, it's what always runs through my mind. And she said, he owns a furniture store over in Balt Springs now. I thought, furniture store in Balt Springs. Uh, must be low-end stuff. So I decided, not even remember any of the prayer that I had prayed. And I went over, and he had a uh, nice little furniture store in Balt Springs. And I walked in, was talking to him. Terry, how you doing? I'm doing, Chris. Good, Chris, man. I saw that lady in your church. She come in and bought some stuff from me. Man, it's awesome. We began to talk. And about that time, his manager come walking in, and he said, he said, hey, while you were over at lunch, I sold that bed frame that that, that $2,000 Stearns and Foster's Mark mattress in Balk Springs was on. And I was sitting, standing there, and he said, Chris, do you need a bed? My knees almost buckled. And my pastor came in my head. You prayed for it, and I've given it to you. I'll tell you what, sometimes I think we just think things are small and we can't ask for them. About 
probably a year later, my wife and I were, were in, the, in the kitchen, and, and my wife said, you know, our ghost grocery bill has been averaging twelve to $1,500 to $1,500 a month with all five of these boys. And me, she just didn't say it. <laughs> but she said, we need a deep freeze, and we need a, a Sam's card, Chris. We, we got to get it. And I said, okay, honey, I'll pray about it. You know, let's pray about it. During that time period, for about a period of three years, our pastor's daughter would go pick him up on Wednesday nights and bring him to church, and then we took him home. And um, on the way home that next Wednesday night, we were weaving through the, the um, roads, getting, getting him home, and he had purchased a piece of property in a very, very high-end area. And as he, in his prudent way, had built the smallest house that could be built in that area that would look right. And we were driving through these big homes and trying to get him home. And we come around a curve, and there sit a deep freeze. As pretty as you please, standing, sitting right beside the road. We pulled up into the driveway. I opened the door on it, and a big note inside there said, brand new does not match the new decor in my wife's kitchen. Free of charge, everything in the cellophane envelope. I said, oh, my Lord, this is the answer to prayer. I rushed back to the van, began to tell my wife and Elder Davis. Elder Davis said, get me home. Get me home. And he, he had bad hips, well, remanufactured hips. He got out. He said, don't even walk me to the door. He waddled like a penguin all the way to his door. He said, go get that, go get that. God's given you that. I rushed back, made all my kids sit to the front. They were sitting everywhere. We put that in there. God spoke to me and told me, he said, you take care of the man of God, and I'll take care of you. You've taken care of the man of God. I'll take care of you. Our church began to go through some hard times, and we were carrying our pastor home. On one of those the last, one of the last Wednesday nights, and my pastor said, "Before I get out of this van, I'm going to pray for all five of these boys." And he said, "God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to call every one of them to preach. God, I ask you to use them. God, I pray that my spirit is transferred to their dad, and I pray that this spirit transfers to them. As of today, I've got four boys with the call of God on their life." Five, really, but one's running. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get the spirit of ministry from your pastor, amen, nothing will stop you. Amen. I, I, you know, I, I didn't get things just to get them because my pastor did. I started combing my hair over because Ron Garrett said he started combing his hair over like Brother Von Morton did. So I started combing my hair over. Next thing you know, I'm getting the bald spot back there like my pastor. So I've got the cover up. I tried to comb it back. I looked like a freak. But more than any of that, I got the spirit of my pastor. I, walked, I went to California to, to, to evangelize. And a man walked up to me and said, I want you to go preach at the L.A. Mission. And I was like, oh, Lord. What has he got, 150 people? They said, no, about 2,500, 3,000 people are going to be in there. And I'll tell you what, something rose up in me. And said, your pastor said he would see thousands upon thousands get the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, 
through the men that God called out from under Elder Davis, they're going to see that. A direct representation of his ministry. I remember he'd come home from preaching a camp meeting somewhere between Texas and, and Canada. And he said that he was eating with the ministers afterwards, and about, he said, five or ten got around him, and they began to question him if he believed everything that was going on in Ethiopia. Where Brother Billy Cole and all the people getting the Holy Ghost and all these kind of things. And he said, brothers, I believe it because I want to see it. That man is a direct representation of instilling faith in the men that we can see things greater than what we could ever even dream of. The Bible says we're going to do greater works. I'm going to see more people get the Holy Ghost than James Davis did. I'm going to, I'm going to, see, I'm going to see more miracles than what he saw. That's what he wanted us to, to, to happen in our lives. He wanted us to see something that he never even saw. I always can tell you that whenever I'm getting ready to make a move, I have a pastor in my life, a man of God that speaks into my life, Bishop Paul Sharp. But I'll tell you what, I always run it through a time of prayer and meditation. And I hope you don't think this is some off the wall, but I always wait to try to hear the voice of my pastor. What would he say and what would he do with this? Because I got his spirit of ministry. I'm very, very thankful to be invited to this meeting. Thank you again. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Brother Newlish. Well, praise the Lord. I'm sitting here listening to all these good testimonies of uh, what happened there at Brother Davis's church and I could tell you that uh, maybe I uh, kind of feel a little bit inadequate listening to these men, but uh, uh, we were there eight years. I had uh, I had came as uh, my brother Riggin, your brother uh, Curtis, had come into the church uh, in Duncanville where we were at and uh, had uh, come back into the church. He'd been out of church and, and come into the church there. We prayed. Uh, we became friends. And uh, uh, when I found myself in need of a church, we were uh, we were wondering that Sunday morning, what we're gonna, I mean, that Sunday afternoon, what we were going to do. And, and, uh, and Brother Riggin just happened to call, Brother Curtis Riggin, and he said, you know, he said, why don't you come and go to church with me over at Brother Davis's? And uh, so that was our first experience. They were in the old sanctuary and uh, uh, having, having service, we went in. And, and uh, everything that I'd been uh, looking for, desiring, as far as, uh, you know, uh, I had... Uh, I had been raised in my grandfather's church, and uh, my grandfather was a man of faith. Uh, he was in a with a different group of men, uh, and uh, so he put a lot of good things in me and put a lot of faith in me. 
and I was I had an expectation of what God was going to do. I was looking for revival, and and in this journey, uh, we had not came to a place of where we were where God wanted us to be until we arrived at Brother James Davis's church. And I went into this church and they're having service and the Holy Ghost is falling. People are running and shouting and speaking in tongues and Brother Davis, uh, uh, he had looked and he had walked down the aisle and, and if sometimes he just feeling after God, he'd lay hands on somebody, you know, and, and, and the Holy Ghost would just hit them, and the power of God was moving and so strong in the place. I had not uh, been in that atmosphere in a long time, and, uh, and so I felt like I had found, amen, like Brother Daniels and Sister Daniels sang last night, that oasis of love. <laughs> I, I found something in a dry land where the Spirit of God was moving. And uh, I thought, you know, I've been preaching about this. This is what I've been looking for. But it's here. It's here in this place. Hallelujah. And I'd hear stories about their all-night prayer meetings and about the power of God. Amen, filling the place like the Shekinah glory, and there'd be like a glory cloud in the place, and it would be so strong that people would have a hard time uh, leaving the sanctuary or, or to uh, being able to get up to walk because of the power of God in there. And uh, so there was, there was something there that began. Brother Davis came back and prayed with us and uh, made us feel at home and you know we were like I say we were on a journey and uh, uh, so it was good for me and my wife and and I began to uh, uh, just put my feet under the table there and uh, uh, still kind of connected a little bit uh, you know I, I'm reluctant to call names but my grandfather had had uh, had uh, been one of the founding uh, people, uh, ministers for the International Ministers Association. It's a Jesus name organization, but uh, their fellowship was based off of uh, baptizing in Jesus name and believing in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And if you there was a there was a big uh, variety of people in that that were independent. Uh, that, um, but uh, I, I, going to Brother Davis's church, uh, I began to learn about the movement of God. Began to learn about the importance of. Holiness, and I'd already had started on this journey trying to, and so it was in Brother Davis's church that I began to, when he had preached the Word of God, sometimes he'd be 
he could preach so hard that you felt like the paint was going to come off the walls. And then in the next minute, he'd be crying. And uh, you knew that he preached hard because he loved you. He, he was concerned about all the young people in the church. He was concerned about the young women, about how they presented themselves. And uh, the men, he would lay it out there. He, he had a holiness standard that, that he gave us, not because that he wanted to just dictate everything that we did, but it was protection for us. Amen. To come out and, and learn about modesty and learn about, uh, amen, how to come before God and present yourself. And as a result, amen, uh, I remember Brother Davis telling me, he said, he said, uh, he said, you know, the reason the spirit is strong as it is here, he said, is because, he said, we preach Jesus' name, baptism, he said, but we also preach holiness. Hallelujah. There's a spirit of holiness, amen, that comes in this house that's, that's awesome. Amen, that begins to uh, make all this work. And you combine all that with faith and uh, the unfettered word of God. I remember where I came from, people were afraid to say certain things over the pulpit. Basically like taking you up to the edge of the cliff and looking over, but you had to kind of interpret it for yourself. You know, they were trying to push you in the right direction without actually saying it. Yeah. You know, and and so, but old Brother Davis, when he got up to preach, he didn't care if he hair-lipped the devil. He just began to lay it out there and just began to preach the unfettered word of God. And uh, yeah, I just sat there on the pew, and the tears began to roll down my face. And the spirit of the Lord that was in, inside of me, I, I felt it begin to churn in me. Hallelujah. There was a witness of the truth. A man that was inside of me, that, that, that I would begin to stand in my face feet with the rest of the saints of God there and say preach it, preach it, preach it. Hallelujah. Yes, I feel this truth. Hallelujah. That, that was the type of atmosphere that you knew that there was a spirit of truth that was being manifested through the preached word of God. Hallelujah. 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 Well, praise the Lord. I, I was there when, um, uh, you know, some of these men remember Randy Shockley. He was, he was born and he didn't have an ear on his uh, right side of his head. It was just a, a deformed, just uh, uh, little nub and, and there was skin that covered the whole side of his head there and he could he wanted to go to the military but at one time I don't think they would accept him because of his 
his hearing problem, but Brother Davis had laid hands on him and prayed for him, and 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 God uh, God healed him. And uh, he didn't he didn't have a ear grow back or anything like that. But when he went to the doctor, that he had all the workings of the ear on the inside and began to hear. So it was a miracle that God did. Now, I, I agree with these men that the greatest miracle is, is the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the gift, amen, that God can save people in the church. And I, I, I brought my younger brother there, uh, Ricky uh, Newlish, we called him. We called him Ricky. Uh, he probably likes to go by Rick now. <laughs> But uh, he was a, a shy individual, very quiet and uh, reserved and really was the type that you kind of had to push him a little bit. But uh, I thought if I can, you know, he had been seeking the Holy Ghost and come out of the atmosphere I did. So I thought if I can just get him to Brother Davis' <laughs> church, get him to get him to come that that I knew he was at a place in his life when he was searching for something and I got him down there and you know of course I I had to I had to kind of I had to kind of grab him by the arm and say come on let's go to the altar you know and uh, I and, and of course he was just you know bow his head we came from a real reserved atmosphere uh Amen. We weren't used to all this shouting and running the aisles and and everything. But we got I got him down at the altar. We began to pray, and Brother Davis came over there and laid hands on him, and he received the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God began to change his life, and he married a girl there in the church, and uh, and uh, a few years later, and and he's still there at that church even though Brother Davis is not there anymore. Amen. And not with us anymore. Praise the Lord. But but uh, uh, that was some good things. I remember some of the conferences and things. We, we were looking for, and God began to deal with my wife. Uh, and uh, there and do some things and and you know the miracles that happened there the faith that was there uh, was something you know I could go back and tell you some other stories you know from other other but but just the the atmosphere there and uh, the things that God would do that my wife was in a in a bad uh, car wreck uh, we had uh, she had just dropped the kids off at school and it had been raining that day and she came out of the school zone and started to pick up speed and there was an area there and a guy pulled off a side street just pulled out right in front of her and an old man in a truck and uh, she slammed on the brakes and but being the street being wet it didn't the car just seemed like it just slid right under the truck and and just ripped the car up 
totaled it. And uh, she, she had time when she hit the brake to see that, to, to slide into that vehicle and, and uh, time enough to, when he pulled out, to actually extend that right leg and lock it into place on the brake. And whenever the impact of that hit, it jammed her right leg up into her uh, hip bit bruising that whole hip joint and cartilage and everything and and while she didn't have anything broken she had a lot of uh, soft tissue damage different things and so she was in a lot of pain and uh, for there wasn't nothing you know that they did for you back then no, there wasn't anything broken. You didn't. You just had to deal with it until it healed up. But uh, in the church, there, there was the faith was strong among the saints, and and uh, I remember that God healed her. God healed her in one of the services there. There was. Uh, Brother Davis had prayed for, her, but there was a there was a lady that uh, that was there by the name of Sister Cardigan. I had worked with her. She was a little old, uh, real tiny lady, <laughs> and she was praying and and uh, she 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 saw in prayer that my wife was in pain and and came and came and got her and took her to the front and she got prayer and and after that. Uh, she didn't have any more problems with that. But there was other ailments, amen, and, and uh, another time just speaking of being obedient to the Spirit of God, sometimes God will challenge us to do something that doesn't seem like it's uh, logical to us. But uh, she was there in the pew and she was in a lot of pain and and uh, at the time it was uh, Sister Donna Boatman had come up and and uh, the service was one of those services where the power of God was moving and people were shouting and everything and Sister Donna Boatman come and got my wife and she was sitting there in so much pain that she could hardly move <laughs> and uh, she had uh, had always had a problem with her her feet and ankles and different things and uh, sister uh, boatman uh, sister davis said be careful with her <laughs> and uh, she said oh but she needs a blessing tonight and uh, she drug her out in the aisle and they be, and and uh, and they began to pray and shout, and she shouted. She shouted with my wife. My wife shouted, and when it, whenever it was all said and done, uh, my wife didn't have any pain. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Amen. Kind of like that man that Brother Davis pointed the finger at and said, "Run." Amen. Sometimes you've got to step out by faith and do something that you don't feel like you can do. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. That spirit of worship that was there, you know, we're just trying to give you a snapshot of the things, but I want to tell you um, some other, other things that, you know, I told you about the asthma that God had healed me of, and, um, and that coming back on me later in life, and then, and then I had to get faith for myself for that, but, but uh, I believe that I was in the right atmosphere, in the right place, hallelujah. I'll just tell you how God works, we already heard some of these men that uh, when my uh, my grandfather, being a man of faith, uh, the the uh, church I'm talking about was uh, the Southern Crest Pentecostal Church. It was uh, down on Fordham and Gladewater, in a bad uh, that it was a poor side of town that was by the Trinity River bottoms, and uh, uh, a lot of people down there filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the church that I was born into. I remember uh, the power of God falling when I was three years old and there in the church. My memory goes back to two or three years old and I can remember the power of God falling in the church. I can remember uh, healings and everything happening. Amen. A guy by the name of Brother Sturdivant had come down to the front and was, while I was just a young boy, I, I guess I was probably four or five years old, maybe six, but he had come down to the front and uh, was a family there that went to the church. He was he had cancer on his, on his face. And uh, my grandfather went and prayed for him and... Uh, that cancer fell off his face right there and hit the floor. And God instantly healed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They used to shout. They used to fill up the prayer rooms and come out ready for church. Hallelujah. They would roll in the floor and dance in the spirit. My grandfather, before, before he started pastoring, we could go back to his mother, which had came over on a boat from Germany and could not speak any English, but somehow uh, had taught herself English by reading the King James Bible. And uh, she got to hearing about the revival in Azusa Street and rode up there and experienced that revival, but on the way back, she was one of the ones that were on the bus on the way back to Houston, Texas, that, that a bunch of them got to praying and uh, started speaking in tongues, and the Holy Ghost fell in that bus. And she came back, and the whole uh, began to, and got her whole family into church. Now, now, some of them didn't, and my grandfather was one that was a little bit older, and he was already... Eddie, uh, you know, helping to support the family because his dad had died very young and, uh, and, and left the mom to raise this family. 
but uh, they were they were in uh, Houston Gospel Tabernacle, uh, and the power of God that these elders experienced. My grandfather going into the church, I remember uh, what he told this story that, well, it was told on him. You know, he went in there and, and they had an old wood floor and it was just nailed down and nails sometimes would come up out of those wood floors. And uh, he, saw the, he saw the power of the Holy Ghost falling and everything and his mother was all involved in it. And he said, I'll never shout like that. I'll never act like that when I get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But, you know, when God got to moving and he got the Holy Ghost, God, God knocked him off his feet down on that wooden floor and found a nail that was sticking up out of the floor and bounced his head on it. Let him drive that nail back down into the floor with his head. He bounced up and down on that floor shaking in the power of God. Hallelujah. Did everything that he said he wasn't going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. When he moved from that church, hallelujah. And I don't want to take away from, amen, this thing with Brother Davis. But there, I'm just telling you that these elders, my grandfather was a little bit older than Brother Davis. But these elders, they had something real that got in them. He went looking for a place to build another church and there in Dallas, Cockra Hill and Shelley Road uh, was the place where they moved the Southern Crest Church. I was probably about nine or ten years old when they moved it there, but my grandfather drove by and he felt God tell him on that lot, the, the lot that he was passing there, he said, God said, that's where I want to build the church. And he looked and he got in touch with the property owner and it happened to be one of the, the neighbors there in the, in the neighborhood on the house behind the lot. And uh, he said, well, he said, I'll never sell this property to a Pentecostal preacher. He said he he had some kind of something against Pentecost that he didn't uh, want that property to go there. But uh, my grandfather said, "Well, God told me that God told me that this is where he wants to build his church." <laughs> So he waited a little bit. He called him, and 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 uh, he called back. And the man's wife answered the phone, and and uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, I, I was talking to you. I wanted to talk to your husband about buying the property there." He goes, "Well, he's passed away. He just something something has happened. He just died suddenly." And he said. Uh, You'll have to talk to my son about it. So she put the son on the phone. My grandfather went and met with him, told him what he wanted to do. And the son said, uh, well, 
he said, Dad was against selling it to have a Pentecostal church there. He said, and I'm going to... I'm not going to sell it because Dad wouldn't have want me to sell it. So what happened was that uh, that man, something happened to the man because my grandfather just felt in the spirit to call back again and ask again. And he called back. And when he called back and asked, uh, the, the mother answered the phone again, and she said, well, my son passed away. And you don't stand in the way of God. You don't stand in the way of God's progress. Hallelujah. And she said, it's just me and my, my daughter uh, in law here and she said I, I don't she said uh, he said would you sell the property and she said yeah we'll sell the property and so the church wound up buying that property and building that church there I remember in the building project they had got to the place where they had built they had spent all the money they had to build and he couldn't go out and take any more loans out to do any more of the building and and uh, he thought we we're going to have to stop it you know it wasn't complete but it was complete enough that he had a had a building there and so my grandfather got up behind the pulpit that and he thought I'm going to take up an offering and see what God does and blesses you know to if we can continue this project and uh I remember that there was a man that walked in the door, just a strange man walked in the door and sat down in the church. And uh, my grandfather thought, oh, man, I don't, the, the people that he thought would give were not there. There was very scarce amount of people in the congregation. And uh, the power of God, though, you know, moving on, moving does miracles sometimes beyond what we have faith for. And I remember that man sending an envelope up to the front. My grandfather, I was sitting in the church. He opened it up. He looked at it, and he goes, is this a loan? He said, I can't take this. If this is a loan, we can't pay it back. And uh, the man said, no. God laid it on my heart to give it. It was everything he needed to complete the building of the church. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God did some great things there. Hallelujah. I, I, I saw, amen, a lady that had, had broken her leg. She, she had attended the church there and she came in and and uh, my grandfather stood up there and he said uh, he said does anybody need prayer and the lady stepped out in the aisle and began to, to walk down to the front and uh, he said God told me he was going to heal you he said he was just waiting on you to step out <laughs> 
Hallelujah. He said, I'm not even going to be, he said, I'm not even going to lay hands on you. He said, you're already healed because you obeyed God. And she, she's let out a holler and began to run around the church. She began to run around that church on that leg that was broken. And she, she stopped at the front and they, uh, and she said, she told her husband, she said, you got your pocket knives? Cut this cast off. And uh, and husband looked at it, and he he didn't he didn't really want to want to do it. He said, "Well, let's just wait, 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 and go to the doctor," you know. And and uh, so she, he refused to take the cast off. She had to go to the doctor the next day, and the doctor cut the cast off and and said said I don't know what's happened, but but that's a miracle. He said, "You just broke that a week ago." He said, "And it's already healed." Hallelujah. 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 Well, praise the Lord. You know, I, I stories like that. There was another lady, Sister England. I was I was preaching at the church that night and faith came over me and I'd been at Brother Davis's and and I was preaching and 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 I was preaching faith and then uh, this lady said stood up and walked down to the front and said, could you pray for me? She said, "There's she had cancer on her face. And so we just, I thought, you know, Brother Davis always says, amen, he'd take the oil and he'd say, I want you to repent of your sins. Just tell God you're sorry for your sins, repent of your sins. They'd do it. And then he'd, he'd put a little oil on his finger. He said, I'm going to anoint you with oil. And the Holy Ghost is coming. I want you to speak as the Spirit gives you utterance. And he'd, he, would, he would put the oil on them and begin to pray for them. And bam, the Holy Ghost would hit. <laughs> Amen. I've seen people just look like they were trying to resist and they just couldn't hold it anymore. And it just burst out of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, amen. We are who we are in the culmination of things that come our way and experiences. And uh, I, I'd been in, around Brother Davis. I said, you know, if God can, God can feel somebody the Holy Ghost, amen, then God can heal, amen, any kind of thing that, that comes along. And uh, so I just, I asked a lady, I, I said, said, do you repent of your sins? And she did. And then uh, uh, I anointed her with oil and said, In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this cancer, and I command it to fall off in Jesus' name. She left the service. She went home. She got in front of the mirror. She was looking at her face, and the cancer fell off in the sink. Amen. It was a few weeks later that I got a testimony that said that, that, uh, that she testified that that cancer had fell off of her face. Praise the Lord. I wished I would have got to see it. <laughs> but that ain't the way God works every time. Praise the Lord. But we, we saw these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We saw th these things from these elders. And, and uh, I wasn't there when... Brother Davis prayed for the leg, but I I did see the leg brace. I did see the crutches. 
hanging in his office. I, I did see those things. I saw many miracles. I saw a mute and deaf person receive the Holy Ghost there when Brother Davis laid hands on them. And I saw them speak with tongues and heard it with my own ears. Amen. And Brother Davis said they get the Holy Ghost the same way everybody else does. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lots of miracles, amen, that happened in that church. And you know, when, when you're having that kind of church, amen, every once in a while the devil sends somebody to the church to test you. <laughs> Hallelujah. We had, we had people with spirits show up. And uh, I, I asked the men the other night if they remembered some big tall man that walked in the back door, sat down on the back pew and told Brother Davis, I'm the prince of this city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I, I, I don't know what Brother Davis did, but, but I know that uh, the guy didn't stay. <laughs> the power of the Lord was too strong for, 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 for all that kind of nonsense. And, and so it was, you know, it was something that I was, I was, if I could say it, I was proud to be part of that church. And, there, and the experiences... And the teaching and the holiness and the power of God. Let us experience revival when we know what it can be like. Hallelujah. And we, 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 we push the church. We push the church. We preach the word. Because we're desiring, amen, to perpetuate something that has been put in our hearts. And see people filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I, I didn't mean to take up so much time. Hallelujah. But I, I told you I have lots, lots of stories. After leaving Brother Davis Church and we started to pastor the church in Mansfield, I went in there. The lady that knew how to play the piano that was there uh, we needed music in the church and we were singing like the Church of Christ we were just you know having to sing without music and the Holy Ghost would move and some every once in a while God would bless us with somebody that could play that would come in but we needed somebody there all the time and so you know Brother Davis taught us you need something you pray for it so we were praying, God, send us a piano player. God, send us a piano player. But God had another plan. Hallelujah. And Brother Stewart here was preaching at the church that night. And uh, he was up preaching, I believe it was Brother Stewart. I was sitting on the pew. Uh, I had taken a place in the second row over there and was sitting on the pew and and uh, listening to him preach, and I was just absorbing everything, and, and uh, God spoke to me and said, pray for Sister Williams. And I said, okay, Lord. He said, pray for Sister Williams. And I said, okay, Lord. Amen. He's preaching right now. As soon as he's done preaching, I'll pray for Sister Williams. And then when he turned the service back over to me, I walked back up to the pulpit grabbed 
grabbed the mic and was we fixing you know had an altar call and and asked uh, and I was just about ready to dismiss the service and then it it's like the Lord spoke again said pray for Sister Williams and I'm I had almost forgotten. And I, I just told Sister Williams, I said, Sister Williams, I don't know why, but God wants me to pray for you. And she got up and she walked down to the front. But, you know, when she got up out of that pew, the tears began to flow and she began to raise her hands because she had been praying for an answer. Hallelujah. She had had a double mastectomy and... Uh, in it, they had clipped all of her muscles and everything. She could not lift her hands to praise the Lord. She could not play the piano because of the muscle damage that she had from that surgery. And uh, she could, she could, she could manage to. to play out one song or something and then she would have to try to take some strong pain medication to overcome that but we didn't have that piano player that we needed and 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 I I didn't know what God was going to do I just heard the voice of God and was trying to obey the voice of God and so I said a prayer it wasn't a big prayer it wasn't it wasn't a fiery prayer it was just a simple prayer. Sister Williams left the church. About a week later, on another Sunday, she came in and she got herself up at the piano and she began to play the piano for all of us. And I, and the, and I, I stopped after a song or two and said, How you doing, Sister Williams? And she said, I'm good. Go ahead. Amen. And we continued to sing and praise the Lord and worship the Lord. And then the testimony come forth when I gave her a chance to testify. She said, God healed me. God, I, and then she lifted. She said, I could not raise my hands. She said, but I can raise my hands now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God healed her and gave us that piano player that we had been praying for. It was sitting in our congregation all the time. It just needed a healing. Hallelujah. I wonder, amen, how many people are sitting in this congregation, amen, that have a talent or have something that God could use, amen, and you just need that little extra nudge that God could do something for you. Hallelujah. And you would be the blessing for this church. Hallelujah. You could be the blessing, amen, that this pastor needs. Hallelujah. 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 Many miracles God did at that church. Hallelujah. And I don't have time to go through all of them, but uh, I appreciate everything I've heard. And thank you for bearing with me. I, I know I told something about my past and my grandfather, my roots and stuff, and I did it because it was that faith, that seed that is planted in us, amen, that, that 
goes forward, amen, and, and I want to catch that spirit. I want to be part of the transference, amen, of that faith, and I believe that it's, God has put it in us to, to transfer it to, the, to, to the, the rest of this generation. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. There's not anybody here that I don't believe that God couldn't use. That's up to you. That's up to you. Give me just a minute. Just work. Yeah, yeah. Amen. I, I've, I've got one thing to read from Brother McFall, but you you do what you got, and then you're done. Okay. One thing. Yeah, one thing. One thing thou lackest. One thing I lackest here from Brother McFall. But okay. You go ahead, Brother Stewart. Look, I don't have a button in my mouth. All right. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. There's a mint. No, 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 no. Not going to do that. I got a lot. We ain't going to get there. I'll, I'll just take a couple minutes. Praise the Lord. Amen. What I want to say, first of all, thank you for amen, being here today. And, and, I, and I, I will do my best to just make this as concise and as succinct as possible. And, uh, but I, I um, got a scripture I want to read. Can you put a scripture up on the wall? Is that a possibility? Going to do that. Hang tight. I'm going to give it to you in just a minute because I want you to see it. Amen. What, uh, what I see here today. Um, the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, Brother Newley started off with this, but the third verse of chapter 11 says, If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. The reason we're here today talking about what we're talking about is because of a tree that has fallen according to the will and the mind of the plan of God. Amen. And it shall not be moved. Praise God. And we're not, we're not giving glory to Elder Davis. Amen. We're giving him credit. You know, God will let you have a little credit, but you better give him the glory. Amen. If somebody ever gives you praise, it's like bubblegum. Chew it and enjoy the flavor, but don't swallow it. Amen. Praise God. We've got, we've got a great God. We've got, we had a wonderful pastor, and I'm, so th I'm thankful that God put me in that church. I did not get the Holy Ghost in that church. I was 10 years old when God brought us in, a man of God by the name of Jimmy Don Miller in Lancaster, Texas. They come and they want us to God, baptize us in Jesus' name. I was 14 years old, sitting in 1977. My parents began to seek something more, and uh, we ended up there in a greater apostolic tabernacle. And, uh, and I could just say the rest is history, amen, and we can go eat barbecue, amen. But you know, there are just, just a couple things I do want to bear out. I learned everything uh, that I know about faith and healing. I was very young in Brother Miller's church, and I, he's still alive, and I call him often, and I give him a lot of thanks and credit for being here, uh, being here today. Without him, I would not be here. But God had his hand on us and moved us there to Balk Springs, and that's where I learned a lot about faith, trust in God, saw the miracles. You've heard these things in that play. He, Brother Reagan was talking about His Truth is Marching On was the title of that. I was the black preacher. Amen. I was Seymour, and I was preaching that 
in that play, uh, Mike Beasley had told me, I said, what do I preach? He said, just find something. So I did, and I began to preach faith, and the, and, the, and that girl come up in that play in the wheelchair, and, uh, and uh, I think it was Tannis Conkle, I think it was, but whoever it was, they rolled up there, and, and she got that healing in that play, and, and that's when uh, Brother Shelton's wife stood, and she said, God, if you can do it back then, you can do it for me, and she lifted up her hands, that hands, that, that arm that had not been used in years, and she said, I began to feel a tingling, and it moved all the way down my arm, and she was come out worshiping God, and God did a miracle, hallelujah, amen, this is not a production, it's not a play. It is truth. It's power. It's something that's righteous. It's something that's real. Amen. It will never change. Amen. For wherever it fell, there shall it be. It's here right now. I said it's here right now. Amen. That's not just for those back there in the rearview mirror. Amen. It fell. Amen. Our pastor is dead. God took him. Amen. But there's something that we're living off. We're living off the decay. Amen. Of the things that were before us. Hallelujah. I said we're living off the decay. Amen. Of a fallen tree. Praise God. Amen. We are, we are reaping the benefits of somebody else's work. Amen. A foundation that was laid. And God God has put some men and some in a church like this, amen, upon the foundation, amen. The glory of God is in this house right now. I feel the presence of the Lord, and I thank God. Thank God for great men. Thank God for great pastors. Thank God for great men. Hallelujah. Because great men generates great generations. Amen. I said great men generates great generations. Amen. This thing's not going to die. Don't sit there and worry in your heart that this thing has no future. The church is the only thing that has a future. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Stay in the church. Walk behind your pastor. Amen. We are living off of the fruit and the decay, amen, of a man. He's gone, but he's still here today. I said he's gone, but he's still here today. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank God for my man of God. Amen. I watched him lay hands on the sick. I watched him pray for the people and watch him get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just almost immediately. We had a little saying around Balk Springs. We said the pastor, he is a tractor. He mowed the yard. Wouldn't let anybody drive it but himself. He's out there in old hot Texas sun driving that tractor. Started sweating. Took his hand, wiped his brow, and he fell out in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We believe when he prayed, God was going to answer. We believe, amen, when he said, God's going to do it, then God was going to do it. Take out the question mark. Put an exclamation point on it. God was going to honor the word of our men of God. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Can you praise the Lord for what he's done? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen, amen. I don't want to give you a lesson in genetics. Amen. Brother Riggin and I, we rode our first horses together, I think, there in Trinidad. Won't go into that, but I got into Paso Finos. Paso Fino. Fino, fine. Paso way. A fine way, a fine walk. Smoothest horse in the world. They're small, 
but they got a big heart. They can take a man a third of their weight. You can get a 900-pound horse. He'll carry a 300-pound man all day long. And they, and they walk with this little gate. They're a gated horse. And when they walk, they get to move it out. And you may think it looks funny. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, watch my hat when I ride my horse. And everybody on those old quarter horses, Brother Johnson and Brother Moody, amen, they're up there going, you know, chop, chop. But I'm over there. You watch my hat. I said, why ride when you can glide? Why ride when you can glide? Those horses didn't just come that way, but they were bred to be that way. There's a bloodline behind it. There's a Spanish genet. Amen. There's a Spanish uh, barb. Amen. And the Andalusian. You may have heard about the Andalusian. It looks like a carousel horse. Amen. Long flowing mane. Amen. A lot of presence there. Amen. But the Spanish barb, amen. The Spanish genet, the Spanish barb is extinct. When those, those horses were bred and brought over to the Americas by Columbus, they were the horses of the conquistadors. They're a very old breed and they're very prominent South America and on the East Coast. And, uh, and, and but, but because that, that bloodline has part of it that is extinct, there is no way to have a Pasofino unless you go back to the original bloodline. You cannot go and create a Pasofino by trying to introduce something else that's just almost like it. Praise God. You, amen. you can say, well, I'll take a, an Andalusian, and I'll take, a, amen, I'll take the Spanish genet, but we don't have the Spanish, but I'll put something almost like it, but you don't have a Pasofino. I said, you don't have a Pasofino. Praise God. A lot of people are trying to introduce some other things uh, even in the apostolic church, but it's not apostolic. They may talk in tongues. They might even have a little form of godliness, uh, but they deny the power thereof. Hallelujah. Come on. What we have, these roots we have, uh, are genuine, authentic, uh, Holy Ghost, uh, Acts 2.38, God's church. Praise God. Amen. Don't mess with the DNA of the church. Don't mess. Uh, don't try to bring the charismatic movement in here. Don't come in here with your false doctrine and say, well, it'll do. No, it won't. It's nothing but the original. I said it's nothing but the authentic. That's what God's church is made up of. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's the kind of church we had on Balk Springs, brother. That's the kind of, amen, things uh, that we are gleaning from. Our roots uh, have tapped down into, uh, amen, the decay uh, of a tree that fell a while back. Uh, amen. But it's not dead because I can see it in every one of you. And when I go to your churches, uh, amen, I thank God I can still see the authentic. I can feel it. Praise Praise God. Amen. You breed horses and amen. And 80% of the horse that it will be produced will bear the traits, the physical traits of the mare, the mother. And 20% will bear, amen, the personality, if I can say it that way, amen, the temperament of the, of the, of the stallion or the stud. It'll bear the name of the stallion.
but it has the looks of the mother. Pray, I said it's got the name of their father. But it's got the looks of the mother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I'm scared to death when I walk into church and it says Pentecost out there. But it don't look like the mother anymore. They say, well, we've got our father's name. We've done mighty works in our father's name. Amen. But it doesn't have the traits, the original traits. It doesn't walk the same. I said it doesn't look the same. It's out of proportion. It is changed up. But God give us something that is authentic. These kids need to know what it is to walk into an apostolic church and have faith preached to them and see these things these men have been talking about today. Oh, you're hungry for it? I said, are you hungry for it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Cheney called me for prayer. Amen. There in Aransas Pass. Amen. He was he had a lot of heart problems. I, I was standing there talking to him. He was in the chair, and all of a sudden his heart quit. His wife screamed, Brother Riley, amen. He turned ash and gray, amen. Jesus, Jesus, we're praying. And all of a sudden, amen, my taproot went back down to the decay of an original tree. And I say, I rebuke death in the name of Jesus Christ. Even all of a sudden, his eyes open. He said, what's happened? Where have I been? I'm telling you, friend, it can happen here today. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. I got a family I taught Bible studies to. One of them to God. They gave me one, the, the daughter's got a little girl named Juliet. These folks here know exactly what I'm talking about. Juliet started having seizures. She was having hundreds of seizures a day. She'd been to the doctor. They had to put a helmet on her. She'd just fall back, fall back, have seizure after seizure. What is she, about three or four years old at that time? They'd done every test they could. Oh, but they brought her up for prayer. Amen. And our star conference. I said they brought her up for prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Enough is enough. We need a miracle. I said we need a miracle right now. Amen. Come on. A lot of prayers have been prayed. Amen. But I reached down. Amen. To the decay. Amen. Of something original. And I drew some resources. Amen. From something not just taught, but something I know. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke these seizures. Whatever abnormality is in this body, let it line up to the Word of God. Amen. And God healed that child. Her mama called me she did just a couple days ago. She said, five years seizure-free. Five years without a seizure. Look what the Lord hath done. This is what I want. Don't give me dried up church. This is what I want. Amen. The clouds are full of rain. Amen. We need some rain. Amen. The earth is full. Amen. Of the decay. Amen. Of things of past history of blessings. But somebody's got to reach down. We need some rain from heaven. Amen. We need some help from God today. Great men generate great generations. It's what you're looking at here. Another great generation. And we've got boys growing up underneath us. Amen. A great generation. Put up there for me on the board, please, on the wall. 
Job 14 and 5. 14 and 7, I'm sorry. Job 14 and 7. Hallelujah. Amen. For there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it'll sprout again. And that tender branch thereof will not cease. Hallelujah. Somebody said, oh, the elder is gone. They said that about Jesus. He's gone. He's gone. But hang on. We got a message to preach. Amen. We got some miracles. Amen. To experience. We got some fellowship with the, with the brethren that God's going to give us. Jesus is not gone. Amen. But you can feel the essence of everything he is and was and is to be in his church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. There's hope. Amen. In a tree. I said there's hope of a tree. You say, what's going to happen when my pastor dies? Just stay in the church. What's going to happen when things go upside down? It may be cut down, but it'll sprout again. Amen. And the tender branch thereof, amen, shall not cease. Verse 8. Though the root thereof, and that's what we're talking about, our apostolic roots. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground. Next verse. Hallelujah. Yet through the scent of water, it will bud. The scent of water. You know what's going to stir this church? I feel like an old cow out there in the in the desert, hallelujah. I said, I feel like an old animal out there that's thirsty and parts, amen. And all of a sudden, it lifts its nose, amen. And wafting through the air, you can't see it. I said, you can't visualize it. But does anybody smell what I smell? Anybody going to pick up the scent of water? And at the scent of water, all of a sudden, I got a revival here. I feel it. I got to move a car. Come on, I'll tell you what you need. Amen. You need to understand that the heavens, even the earth, even it's all God's and God's clouds that he's stomping out with his feet. Amen. God said, there's some rain. Can you smell it? Can you ask for it? And if God will send it, amen, that old tree, amen, it's going to rise up out of the ground, and it'll bud and bring forth bows like a plant. Oh, victory in this church. There's hope in this church. I said, there's hope of a tree. Thank you, Elder Davis. I know you can't hear me. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Sister Davis, for taking the time with me in Sunday school class year after year. You saved my soul. Amen. Whether you know it or not, I'm not here of my own accord. I'm here because of something that was great. And though it fell, amen, I'm living. Amen. On the decay. Amen. Of something real. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and love the Lord today.
Come on, God's not dead. He's alive. He said, I shall be in you, and you'll be in me. In me, you'll live and move and have your being. You can't live outside, even in some other garden. You can't live out there in the desert, but get close to where the tree fell. Find where the tree fell. Even find where the power's at and tap in. Somebody needs to send down a taproot today. And I shall not be moved. The righteous will shall flourish like a palm tree. The righteous shall flourish. But you've got to find the right place. Amen. The right soil.